1: 9 30 in
2: 716.
0: Good morning, WBE News Time. 502. I'm Susan Rose.
2: Brian Rowski outside, currently looking at uh, a few clouds, 57 degrees in Buffalo.
0: After he testified before Senate lawmakers yesterday, former Buffalo Fire Commissioner Garnell Whitfield, whose mother Ruth was killed in the top shooting, spoke with Rachel Scott at the Capitol. I know it's been a really long day and I am just really grateful for all of your time. Um, um, I just want to ask you what are you gonna miss most about your mother and what do you hope people know about her?
3: Oh, I'm gonna miss the way she loved me, the way she loved us. I'm gonna miss her, her, you know, unconditional love. That's, that's what I'm gonna miss the most.
0: What message do you want to send to senators? Um,
3: Again, do your job, Um, do your job. You were sent here to do a job, you took an oath, do your job, Um, you know, pass legislation, do whatever you need to do to protect the citizens of this country, which we are, Um, do your job, that's all.
0: Later today, Buffalo Police Commissioner Joe Grimalia and Zanetta Everhart, the mother of Zaire Goodman, a survivor of the top shooting, will testify in front of a House committee.
2: As victims, families, and survivors not only of the Buffalo shooting, but of Uvalde, too, are in Washington, D.C. for these hearings, what will lawmakers actually do? And Wynn has more from Washington. Senate
0: Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has privately expressed an openness to raising the age limit to buy an assault-style rifle from 18 to 21. But according to ABC's Rachel Scott, McConnell has not pushed for any specific policy. Many Republicans on Capitol Hill are opposed to that. They say that it's either a bridge too far or believe that that decision should be left up to the states. It's unclear if this news will cause any of them to change their minds. McConnell has not publicly said where he stands on raising the age requirement.
2: Again, more hearings set for today, including people from here in Buffalo. You'll hear that right here on WBEN.
0: At the White House, Oscar-winning actor Matthew McConaughey, who was born in Uvalde, Texas, spoke at the daily press briefing after meeting with lawmakers. At the White House press briefing today, actor Matthew McConaughey says Uvalde, Texas, where he was born, called on him.
1: You could feel the
3: shock in the town. You, You could feel the pain.
0: He says after spending time with victims' families, he's calling on lawmakers to put politics aside.
3: I came here
1: to speak to them, to speak with them, and to urge them to speak with each other.
0: McConaughey asking lawmakers to balance responsible gun ownership with saving lives.
1: While we honor and acknowledge the victims, we, we need to recognize that this time it seems that something is different there is a sense that perhaps there's a viable
0: path forward. A bipartisan group of senators still in talks to find common ground on possible gun reform. Michelle Franz and ABC News.
2: Right, we'll see where that goes in the coming days. The gun issue, the main reason Congressman Chris Jacobs said he's not running for Congress again. And we learned shortly after that announcement was made, Carl Palladino vying for the soon-to-be-open seat in the new NY23 Congressional District. But... Who else may be joining that race?
1: Though Nick Langworthy didn't return our phone calls asking whether he'll run in New York 23, Carl Calabrese believes the answer will be yes.
3: I've heard that uh, he is going to be running and uh, is circulating petitions and will be filing petitions on Friday. Now, he has not said anything yet. That's kind of interesting, but numerous, numerous sources uh, have verified that he does intend to run.
1: If Langworthy runs, Calabrese says Langworthy does know how to successfully run a campaign. He knows
3: about Strategy and messaging and polling and fundraising and volunteers, uh, he's got all that he's Got all that in his head.
1: A possible opponent is Carl Paladino, who told WBEN last week he was in. A
3: lot of people who voted for Carl in 2010, uh, those folks are still around. It's not like he's been invisible for the last 12 years. He's had a very high profile, so he enters the race with that advantage.
1: What strength does Palladino bring? Find out from Calabrese online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News.
0: Tom, thank you in new york city democrat candidates for new york governor took the stage last night for a debate the deal to build a new stadium for the buffalo bills naturally a hot topic challenger Jumani williams we need to have someone that's going to stop the budget to say we need more money for gun violence prevention not a billionaire to get a stadium to be built outside of buffalo where people are suffering tom swazi
1: we're asking taxpayers to put up a billion dollars to subsidize this stadium that's the biggest taxpayer giveaway in the history of the nfl and even worse it was announced four days before the budget was
0: due governor hochel's response that stadium will be more than paid for the tax revenues derived from the income as well as the economic benefit we did a study in advance it'll far exceed the investment state the primary for governor is three weeks from yesterday
2: um you know, a lot of really Important questions asked um, among them. Do you believe in ghosts? Mr. Williams, what's your go-to karaoke song?
1: <laughs> pretty wings are pretty wow. wings.
2: That sounds just like it. You've got to be kidding. Should have watched. <laughs> Had I known. <laughs> we'll uh, hear a lot more. What happened, uh, I guess, some of the more serious stuff you could say in that debate coming up in depth throughout this morning 508 now on wben amherst police investigating the fire at a pro-life medical office that happened early yesterday morning they're investigating it as an arson compass care located on Eggert road it had windows smashed multiple fires set inside ceo jim harden yesterday saying it was a targeted attack you'll see a sign over here with graffiti saying jane was here uh that represents Jane's Revenge. It's an abortion terrorist group, um, who, which is, have, have taken responsibility for other vandalisms and fire bombings across the country. Uh, they have, they have said that they would strike again in, in different parts of the state on the lead-up to the potential of Roe versus Wade being overturned, and they have done that here. Two firefighters suffered minor injuries fighting that blaze. Governor Kathy Hochul's office said the governor condemns violence of any kind. The state police stand ready to assist local authorities with the investigation. More on that group and who might be involved in the investigation with Peter Ahern. Ahern Consulting, former Buffalo FBI special agent in charge, joining us at 720 this morning.
0: Gas prices are still on the rise.
2: Americans are spending $700 million more on gas every day than they were at this time last year. In just the last week, the average price for gas in Michigan jumping 51 cents, in Indiana up 48 cents, in Ohio 46 cents. There's no relief in sight due to soaring demand overseas and supply concerns due in part to the war in Ukraine. And now hurricane season could send prices surging even higher.
0: Not good news at all to hear there. The current average this morning in the Buffalo area is 487. That's up six cents from yesterday about 15 cents in two days.
1: Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. We're looking at partly to mostly sunny skies today with high temperatures near 70 degrees tonight. Clouds will increase with rain returning overnight lows in the mid fifties. On Thursday, rain showers in the morning, partly to mostly cloudy in the afternoon with temperatures in the 60s. Friday looks fantastic with sunshine highs near 70 with your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. I'm chief meteorologist Ehrman Kowski.
0: Albany insider Jack O'Donnell is joining us this morning. We're talking about NY23. And, you know, even a week ago, Jack, there wasn't much of a contest here, but the door is wide open now, but it really has to develop in short order, doesn't it?
3: Uh, Good morning. Of course, congratulations. (laughs) Uh, But yes, uh, absolutely. This is moving um, quickly and in real time. Uh, We saw yesterday um, or last night that the uh, State Conservative Party uh, is going to endorse Nick Langworthy uh, for New York 23, which is definitely a boost for him. Um, but this is uh, this is playing out very quickly.
2: It, it has to happen very quickly, right? I, I mean, there's these deadlines in place. Uh, a scramble is an accurate word.
3: <laughs> um, a, a, a scramble um, uh, and a sprint, I think, are, are, are very accurate. I think the other, the, the other, uh, the other deadline here is that um, both candidates uh or all the candidates seem to be vying for uh, former President Trump's endorsement. Um, and I think if that comes in, that would be a big factor in the race. So um, uh, another quick action item.
0: All right, well, tomorrow is the deadline to submit petitions. Is that right? And we expect those petitions to be delivered by. Carl Paladino does Langworthy if he gets in the race would he have to do the same
3: uh, So tomorrow is the deadline um, but, but the way this works is that um, Congressman Chris Jacobs did have petitions he had filed them um, under the original um, the original redistricting line and he had something called a committee of, of, of vacancies which was made up of party insiders and then with Jacobs declining to run that committee on vacancies is able to select an, or designate um, who basically gets credit for those petitions, and, and they'll select Langworthy. Um, so he'll basically be on the ballot as a result of, you know, party workers' efforts on behalf of Jacobs, and then Palladino has to su- su- submit um, new petitions under a new window that was created by the um, judge um, and redistricting experts. Uh, in uh, Steuben County after they threw out the original line. So a complicated process
2: there. Y- you know, it is really complicated. I- I'm just wondering your uh, thoughts on uh, how many people within the MY23 district know that they're now within the MY23 district, and that's all of this that we're talking about affects them?
3: Um, I-, I think most. Um, average voters, including um, most prime voters, are having a tough time figuring out what, what district they're in um, and probably haven't given it much thought. Um, you know, we have and, and some of the elected officials or candidates have, but it's changed so many times. I think a, a, a real challenge for these candidates is going to be um, telling their voters who they are and, and what they're looking at. Um, and, and it's going to be a challenge to get voters out on, uh, you know, at the end of August, um, when, especially when there'll be enough press around the, the June primary that people aren't going to know if they have to vote or if they already voted. And I think that turnout is going to be a big um, determining factor. I think higher turnout would favor Carl Palladino and probably lower turnout would favor um, Nick Langworthy.
2: When we're talking about these things, it turn out, you know, how many people are aware, uh, this whole saga, is it making maybe a few more people aware? And does it open the door? You know, one of the things we know, a very red district, but does this whole thing, how it's played out, um, even reaching kind of that national profile where uh, Chris Jacobs, stepping aside, talking talked about on some of the Sunday news programs, does that open the door for somebody who... Might think similarly to Chris Jacobs because I don't, maybe there's more voters in there who say, "Well, wait a second. You know, maybe I'm thinking this way or that way. Uh, I'd like to see somebody on the ballot like that."
3: Um, I, I, I think that's certainly possible, but I think in, in you know with these tight deadlines um, and and with some of the arcane election um, rules about who can run where and when. Um, you know, we just haven't seen it. Um, so it may be that some of those factors play out over time, um, but but um, we, we just haven't seen anything yet.
0: You know, Jack, is there an issue if Langworthy runs, with him remaining as the state GOP chair?
3: Uh, I, I think absolutely, and I think um, you know you, you've already heard from whether it's potential candidates or or, or people around. You know, he had been very focused as, as state chair about leading a, a competitive gubernatorial race uh, into the fall. And um, some people have said, you yeah, know, you already have a job here. You should you should focus on that. Um, I, I think um, once he becomes a candidate, there'll be a lot of pressure on him to step down um, as as party
2: chairman. When you look at the district, most voters in the boundaries, do you think they know who either Carl Palladino or Nick Langworthy is, and if they do know, who has a more recognizable name in the district?
3: Well, well, that's why I think higher turnout is gonna, would only help Carl Palladino, right? He he is better known, um, you know, ha, has a much higher visibility, um, and I think um, I think that really helps. Um, that said. Um, you know, a certain level of, of primary voter will know who Ms. Langworthy is. And, and I'm confident that both um, Langworthy and Belladino will have the resources to, to get out their message. Um, you know, Langworthy is um, skilled at raising a lot of money. He's done it for the county party, for the state party. Um, Belladino has, has done the same. Um, and so I think that by primary day, people will know huh, – know a lot about both of
2: them. Is that damning in a way for Langworthy because here's somebody who in his current position, he's behind a podium trying to be in front of cameras at least once a week. Meanwhile, Carl Paladino, I mean, really has been under the radar since he was on the Buffalo school board, and even then you're talking about a, you know, pretty hyper local position
3: also talking about a guy who was the Republican nominee for governor, uh, yes, 12 years ago, um, but really at a time when I think um, he was the, you know, the vanguard of a shift in Republican policies, right? I mean, he, um, he beat former Congressman um, and Lazio, Rick Lazio, in that primary, really as a kind of a, a, a leader of the Tea Party movement that, that heralded a, a major shift in kind of what, The Republican Party looks like and who they were nominating in a lot of offices. And I think for um, Republican primary voters, um, I I think that's a really big deal.
0: One other thing, Jack, what about Chris Jacobs? He hinted last Friday that we'll see him again somewhere. What do you think is in his future?
3: Um, I I think it remains to be seen. Um, I think that his, his stance um, uh, on, on guns and gun safety um, that made him um, a tough sell for the conservative and Republican Party leaders um, is probably pretty popular beyond the Republican uh, um, primary electorate, um, even with some Republicans, um, certainly with independents and Democrats. Uh, so I, I, I do think we have to wait and see how some of this plays out. Uh, was it wasn't. It wasn't that long ago that a number of Republicans in Congress um, voted for an assault weapons ban um, back in 1994. Um, uh, you know, and, and so a lot of these things are cyclical. Um, but I think um, Jacobs comes out of this um, holding his head high and, and I think earned a lot of new admirers in the process, even if he lost a few old ones.
2: Interesting stuff. Hey, Jack, thanks so much. Jack O'Donnell, O'Donnell & Associates, joining us live this morning with a look at MY23, the scramble for the nomination after Chris Jacobs bowed out.
1: That's 9.30 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo.